Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Charles. So if you could introduce yourself. I am Charles. Uh, I'm from Massachusetts, Boston area. I'm a senior in high school. I go to St. John's Prep. I am uh, white, male, uh, he, him pronouns. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And you got into Duke University, which is what I'll be interviewing you uh, about. Yep. All right. So let's get like the first like basic stuff out of the way in terms of how you grew up and how what the expectations were for you. So give me like, I guess, an overview of like if your parents are educated, if you have like siblings who are like, you know, in college and university and then growing up, what was the expectation for you in terms of going into high school with like grades and extracurriculars and then actually going to college or university? Yeah, so I'll start off with my parents. My father went to University of Virginia, um, and then he did a law degree at Vanderbilt. And my mom went uh, locally to a school, Wheaton College. Um, and then as for expectations growing up, I don't really feel like my parents put too much pressure on me, really. They don't, like, they're not helicopter parents monitoring my grades all the time or anything like that. It was mostly kind of up to me and whatever I want to accomplish and explore in high school. Um, and then I, I also have a sister. She's four years older than me. Um, and she went to University of Denver. She had a great time there. Um, so yeah, she, yeah. And then growing up, going into high school, were you just basically like a straight A student? Like all your life, you're a pretty good student? Um, yeah, I was always um, a strong student in middle school. Um, I came over to the high school and has a middle school. So I came there in sixth grade. So it was a pretty smooth transition into high school. Um, I was also just named valedictorian for my class. So I did maintain good grades and stuff the whole time. Okay. So obviously you have a sister. You said she's four years older than you. And obviously I've interviewed Henry and I've interviewed Tyler as well. So I know a little bit about your high school, but can you tell us about your high school itself? What programs they have in place, like, you know, AP, IB, stuff like that. And what resources they have for students in terms of the college process so we know like what you came into and what you had to help you yeah so um my school does the ap curriculum um offering a wide range you know all all the calculus a bunch of the sciences ap bio ap physics ap chem um and then as for guidance um we have a very good system set up i had kind of a different uh scenario in my high school experience because my original guidance counselor for the first two years left so I had to like transition to a new one midway through high school which I think I've made sure I wasn't quite as close with my guidance counselor as other people were but uh, they definitely have a good setup I don't think guidance counselors have more than like uh, maybe 50 people they're dealing with or 100 so it's like pretty easy to get time with them if you need it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one more thing before we actually get into your grades, extracurriculars and such. I don't know if this is like you were just mentioning like the APs that your um, school had, but you did mention mainly like math and science APs going into high school. Were you sure of pursuing something in the STEM, like STEM industry? Yeah, I don't think I was sure. I mean, I enjoy all Mm -hmm. subjects. My dad is actually a high school English teacher um, and Chelsea near here. Um, So, I mean, I, I enjoy English. I enjoy history too. But I mean, I'm definitely kind of a bit more geared toward the math and sciences, but I appreciate all kind of subjects. And I think everything's interesting, really. But yeah, all right, so, kind of, mm-hmm. all right, so all right, definitely let's, from the start. 
<laughs> go, Sorry, ahead. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, you go ahead. I was definitely from the start kind of just like geared in that direction. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into your grades, your test scores and stuff like that. So you don't have to list out all the APs that you took, but upon application, and this can include senior year as well, how many APs did you have to show colleges? And then in the end, what was your weighted and then unweighted GPA that you submitted? Um, yeah. So for APs, I think I put down 13 on or like in the common app, but some of them are like future ones. We don't actually have a score yet, right? Do you do that or no? You mean like ones you started senior year? Or yeah, like ones I'm taking this year, I put down as like in my, I don't know. I took probably, yeah, no, a a lot of APs. Mm -hmm. Um, And then as for GPA, um, I think unweighted was a 4.0 and then um, weighted was like a 4.76 or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you also mentioned that you're valedictorian and like, obviously tops, when you go to a top school, you're going to be like at the top of your class, but like, it's not every day you like get a valedictorian. So as a valedictorian, do you have any risk? Like what exactly do you have any responsibilities? Do you have any like duties or it's just like a title? Like, Oh, you were top. Yeah. So they, at my school, they name uh salutatorian and valedictorian and uh, they both have roles in commencement. Mm-hmm. Um, at our graduation. So I'll be giving, um, I think, like a nine minute speech or so. And then, uh, so yeah, that's one responsibility I have. That's the main one, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not like much, it's really just a title and you just speak at graduation. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's go on to SAT or ACT. So, number one, which one did you take? And then when did you start? Like, when did it come to your mind? When did you start preparing for it? Uh, yeah. So I took the SAT. I remember I took practice tests for both kind of uh, testing out the waters. The ACT was just way too quick paced. My mind just couldn't work that fast and like answer all the questions. I, so I was having trouble finishing the test. So the SAT definitely worked better for me. Um, I took it, I think, two times or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a 1530 in the end, a 790 on math and a 740 on English. Um, mm-hmm. I remember I initially got... Uh, like, I think I got the 7090 on math, like the first or second time I took it. And then I tried to study a lot and do better on English, but I ended up only doing 20 points better. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, I was still happy with my score. It was good. That English section will just kill yeah. your SAT score, honestly. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. So SAT, so 1530 SAT, really good GPA. All right, let's go to extracurriculars now. So you can take it from here. Can you give me like, a list of at least not like every single little extracurricular that you did, but at least the few main ones that you did do. And then we'll kind of like, I guess we would say deep dive into each one. So if you can give a general list and then we'll talk individually about each one. Yeah. Um, okay. So extracurriculars, I'd say my biggest one is probably, I have my own commercial lobstering business during the summer. Wow. Um, I've done for like five years commercially for the past three. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I play tennis year round um, while I'm on varsity at the prep. And during when it's not the spring season, I'm playing uh, year round at like indoor facilities during tournaments and stuff. Um, well, <laughs> trying to think about what I put. It's kind of hard on the spot. Um, I did some like NHS tutoring stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with one kid in particular. 
Mike, um, and mostly like physics. Mm -hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, I'm a member of the Spire Society at my school, which is they help with like tours and stuff. Um, actually, did you say Aspire? It's called Spire Society. Our school, it's it's a Catholic school. It has like one of the buildings has a big spire on it. Mm So it's kind of like, I don't know, part of our school spirit, the spire. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but but basically spire just, um, they help a lot with student organizing events, like alumni relations, bringing in new students for tours or like hosting a freshman trivia night or something like that. Just, um, kind of making people feel welcome and building the uh, community up. So. Mm -hmm. And this is more like a beginning of like fall, I mean, not fall, like like spring when like people are looking at the school and then fall when they first come into the school. So it's not like one whole year round thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I mean, there's always kind of events going on, but yeah, it is definitely concentrating in those areas. Like I said, tomorrow I am giving, I think a few tours, uh, tomorrow morning at nine 30. So. All right. All right. And do you do that because you like genuinely like it or is it like part of your school's like requirement? Like each student needs to do something like service E related. No, it's not a requirement at all. Um, you apply for it. I mean, they definitely like advertise it a lot. They want people to join. Um, but no, it's you just like they send out a Google thing uh, and you like fill it out and then they either say you're in or you're out. And then I think basically everyone gets in and then you help out because they want you to help out. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go on to this lobster business I've never heard of, <laughs> never heard of um, interview anyone. So I'm going to save that for last. So let's talk about NHS, I mean, you can give a little like, what is it like a little, I guess, segment on like what NHS is and what exactly you have, but I think it's like pretty standard. So we won't take too much time on NHS and then we can talk about tennis and then we'll talk about your lobster business. So if you could tell us a little bit about what NHS is and what your responsibilities are. Uh, So National Honor Society, um, it's, you have to maintain a certain GPA and also have service hours to qualify for it at our school and at our school you can't join until your sophomore year um and then basically it's um like an award or a title you have but then it also gives you opportunities uh as i mentioned before where you can uh function as a nhs tutor for they have both uh people who go over to the middle school like twice a week as a program then you also just um help uh other high schoolers and grades below you uh with tutoring so that's the main role mm-hmm. yeah nhs is like for anyone who's like listening doesn't know it there's a lot of stuff you can do at my school they have like yeah. forms and you can like go to random events in your city and like do like service hours and stuff all right so oh, let's cool. yep so let's go on to tennis you say you do that year round when did you start tennis like was it just a high school thing or you've been doing this all your life uh, yeah, both my parents played tennis, so I kind of um, grew up playing. I probably didn't really start playing until I was like 11-ish, mm-hmm. um, but then I played in throughout middle school um, and then high school. Freshman year, I was okay, but I didn't make varsity, and I'd say it was like kind of after that, during sophomore year, where I started playing more seriously. Uh, that was when I uh, went to the current club I play at, the Manchester Athletic Club, Mac otherwise known as the academy where there's a lot of really really good players so um it's fun to train with them there um and nowadays i'm doing like uh four 
days a week there ish. And then uh, like tomorrow I'm playing in two matches tomorrow afternoon. So, Mm -hmm. Oh, so you're not just like varsity at your school. You actually have like a separate club outside of school. Are you, are you a recruited athlete? No, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not playing D1 tennis. Mm-hmm. I'm not that good. <laughs> um, those kids are insane. No, I'm so, yeah, it's just like a completely separate thing. You know, there's like club soccer teams or something that aren't, mm-hmm. they're not affiliated with the school at all. It's just like yeah. a completely separate entity. They have their own tennis pros there and everything. Um, the only time I'm playing for the prep is for the three months in the spring. So um, mm-hmm. I think we'll be starting probably like March 30th, the team, as soon as the snow starts getting off the course, we'll get started up and then we'll go into like june-ish mid-june depending on how we do in states mm-hmm. and i do have a quick like few questions about sports well first let's get to like the academy that you actually train at so when you train there like are you you you're competing but you're not like being recruited like can you explain how that works i'm not very well versed in sports yeah no i just uh so i go to i practice there like two or three days a week from four to seven at night um and it's just a lot of, of basically hitting like workouts uh there's also like a sports psychologist who talks to you most of the time um and it's just yeah it's just focusing on getting better it's not i'm not trying to go pro or anything but i just i really enjoy the game it's a good way to get exercise and um there's a lot of like uh friends there who i can kind of hang out talk with it's just a good time yeah and when you do um when you do like a sport, like a specific sport, I know a lot of people who do it outside of school also do it inside of school. So when you're writing your college app and you're saying, I play tennis, do you say that, do you make it like a separate extracurricular? Like I play varsity tennis for my school and then I play for this club that's not affiliated or do you just put it under like one thing? I think I just did one thing. It's Those things are so frustrating because you only have like a like 100 characters or something that so it's really hard. You have to like all jam it into a few sentences. I think I, at the end of last year, I was named, uh, like there's a local town newspaper. I was named like a tennis all-star, like a sports Salem sports all-star thing or whatever. So I listed that, I think. And I just said, plays, uh, year round tennis competitively, uh, like varsity for the prep and then was named a tennis, uh, mm-hmm. like Salem news all-star or something. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of compacted it there. Uh-huh. And then when you do play for your, when you play for your like own school and like, obviously it's not just you playing, like it's your like team team like playing. Yeah. So when you guys, let's say like go to States or something, what do you like write down? Do you just say like, Oh, my team and I won at States. Oh yeah. Well, we didn't win at States. Oh, so okay. I didn't, we didn't have any, like mm-hmm. we won the, um, our local like Catholic conference. So mm-hmm. we were the Catholic conference champions last year. Uh, which we usually win. Uh, States is a lot more competitive. Also, our team the past few years hasn't been as good as it was in the past years, but this year I think we're going to be have an actual shot at States. All right. Well, I wish you best of luck since that is, you you say you're coming up soon. All right. So let's go on to your lobster business. I don't even know what questions to ask from here. So you just, when did you start? How did you start? I mean, you're in Massachusetts, so it kind of makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I live in Marblehead, which is a coastal town. It's probably, I could walk to the water in like a minute and a half if I wanted to. Um, so I've always been around the ocean and I love the ocean. Um, I think I was first exposed to lobster. Do you know like the general idea of it? Like lobster traps and all? 
it's basically there's like metal cages and then there's a buoy attached with a rope going up to the surface um and then there's where the lobsters enter and then there's a bait bag that's called the kitchen and then when they try to get out they get lost and end up in the parlor which is when you pull it up and then they're there um so i was first introduced to it i think by probably in middle school i had a friend who had a little boston whaler boat and he went out and did that so he first exposed me to it and then i kind of fell in love with it from there mm-hmm. um and then i have a little 19 foot center console boat and um the first three years i did i just had a recreational license which means you can have a maximum of 10 traps um but then three years ago i got the uh, student commercial license um where you can have up to 25 traps and you can sell your catch to like wholesale distributors legally. So I kind of turned it from just like a fun hobby into a summer job. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, I also like, I collect data and spreadsheets uh, every single time I go out, like water temperatures, all the different locations, um, like take notes on the kind of bait I use, how many lobsters I get, mm-hmm. like so that then I can, learn over time like what bottom conditions like rocky versus grass or like at what times of the year is which zones better for lobstering so Mm -hmm. i tried to use that as well all right so let's start from the very beginning number one i have a question that has nothing related to extracurriculars how does a lobster swim like how does it like get into the trap how does does it move around so they kind of crawl on the bottom they're crustaceans Mm -hmm. and bottom feeders they just kind of basically eat whatever and so they don't swim. I, they can kind of do a thing with their tail where they can flap in a defense and then like zoom through the water a little bit. Uh, but yeah, they're not swimming. And oh, then so you just like keep the traps and they just like you keep them for like a long time and then like eventually they like float in. Yeah. You go and check the traps like every three days. Mm. Um, and also this just reminded me of another extracurricular I had. I gave a uh, TEDx talk at my school um, and it was actually about like lobstering my connection with nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also another thing to do with lobstering was I, um, created like with this entrepreneurship program at my school last spring. And I started this, um, like mini website company startup thingy called like lobster lift mm-hmm. where it's, um, basically one big problem with lobster traps is there's that rope that stretches the surface of the buoy. And one problem is that like North Atlantic right whales um, have a tendency to like get tangled up in those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be really bad for their population. So um, basically lobster lift was this like kind of my attempt to uh, create like a lineless lobster trap where the buoy stays in the bottom of the trap and then it's like released up when you're trying to pull it up. So that way there's no line stretching in between and like no wildlife or um, like marine life can get tangled up and die in it. Mm-hmm. So that's been like a pretty big problem that's happening. There's like legislation going on in Maine about it right now. Um, so yeah, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you for mentioning that. We'll get to those after like I finished my questions with your lobster business. So you said for the first three years, you just did it for like, um like you said, recreationally. So like when you catch the lobsters, are you able to like take them for yourself and like eat them? Yeah, so there's, um, I mean, you, you're not, most of the lobsters that you catch, you're actually throwing back because, um, first of all, if it's a female, that's 
um, pregnant called an egger, because they have like a bunch of uh, like thousands of black eggs underneath their tails. And you put them back because that's healthy for the population. And also if the lobster is too small, which is less than 3.25 inches from like um, the eye socket to the end of the abdomen, um, then you also throw it back because then it's like too young and small. You want to let it uh, continue to live and grow. And then also if the lobster is too big, over five inches from that same like uh, eye socket measurement, then you also have to throw it back because that means the lobster has uh, lived so long that it must have like the right genetic material to survive. And you want to kind of keep those uh, strong mm-hmm. genes in the gene pool for the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then once you started selling, like, were you selling to local restaurants in your area? Um, no. So I sold to a, um, a wholesale distributor where uh, it's this little, uh, it's called Little Harbor Lobster. They just have a, uh, like a dock. I just pull my boat up there, uh, bring all the lobsters in, they weigh them. Um, and then they pay you and you go. Mm-hmm. So you typically get, um, during the season, the prices fluctuate, but you're getting like, um, at the start, it's a bit higher, like maybe $8 per pound. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as like supply in summer, it can uh, go down a bit to like six or five. During COVID, the prices were hit pretty bad because uh, no lobsters were going to China. And then the Canadian markets just kind of like went south and overflowed the East mm-hmm. Coast. So prices dropped a lot. But yeah, this past summer, they were good. These lobsters are expensive. I'm sure you made quite a, a good amount of money. Yeah, I mean, uh, the price they charge the restaurants are a lot of a premium on what you get wholesale when you're just like originally mm-hmm. selling to the dealer who then sells to the restaurants from there. Oh, okay, okay. All right, so you also said that you, like, when you go out, you take measurements of, like, water temperature and, like, where you caught the lobsters, like, where there is more, like, of an abundance of them. When you do that, are you just doing that for your own, like, purposes or are you actually giving that data to like other people to analyze um yeah so all that data is actually for myself um i also track like uh how many eggers there are at a location how many shorts um so i can kind of like get a gauge for like what areas have what kind of lobsters and where the lobsters are moving around Mm -hmm. and also just because it's kind of cool to see how things change year over year if i can like if the population's declining or going up or like what's going on with the water temperatures year over year. Um, but there is actually, now that you mentioned it, a, um, another like wave data entrance uh, into like the national uh, division of marine fisheries. They have like a system set up where all the lobstermen uh, commercially are meant to like input their catches for the summer. So I also put data in there, but that's just uh, more basic. You only report like, the pounds of lobster that you sell to the dealer and like um the general area which you caught it which for me is just like within a mile of shore so mm-hmm. it's pretty basic but yeah and then on your college app did you just basically write down a very small version of what you told me like start did it for six years got my license here like sold it here yeah um so i think i just wrote down um like commercial lobsterman for the past four years sells to commercial and private dealers. Um, and I think I also mentioned that I have like an email list for private dealers. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously, so I have like a bunch of, uh, like friends are just like people from Marblehead. If they hear about me, then they'll, I'll like put them on my email list mm-hmm. and then I'll send out an email. Like I have like 
60 lobsters in my keeper trap right now. If anyone wants them, let me know. And then people respond. And because uh, obviously you get better prices if you're selling directly to people rather than to the wholesale distributor who then uh, like collects a premium and then sells to the people. So you're kind of taking out the middleman by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. That's, that's really cool. Like, well, I'm hearing a lot of like your friend Tyler, he was like, he said something was finance. I was like, oh, wow. You guys are really like, amazing with what you guys do with your extracurriculars all right can you go a little bit more into the entrepreneurship program so like exactly what it what it is and did you say it was like affiliated with your school yeah it's called the um the ryan shaw entrepreneurship program Mm -hmm. named after one person who um did the entrepreneurship program and then unfortunately passed away Mm -hmm. um i think in college from a rare disease um he was a graduate from the prep so it's named in his honor um it's run by um, actually my economics teacher right now, and he's a really good guy, uh, very knowledgeable, but it's basically, it's about kind of taking an idea from like, uh, like the conceptualization phase to like putting up a mock, uh, shark tank trial on at the end, trying to like pitch the idea to a group of, um, like imaginary investors to see, uh, like if they would choose your company for a, uh, investment. Mm-hmm. Is this like a club where you have different positions like treasury, like secretary and stuff, or was it more like just a program? No, it's not a uh, student run club. It's like an actual program. Yeah. But it met after school just in the spring last year. Okay. Like and I will have you elaborate because you did tell us like your idea and what you did with that. So one last thing you did mention with extracurriculars is a TEDx to your school. So oh. I'm pretty sure a lot of people know what TEDx is, but like, can you explain like yeah. why you were selected if you, or if you asked to do it and what you talked about and like the preparations for that? Yeah. So first I'll go back to the entrepreneurship thing briefly, because I actually like continued it throughout the summer. Then I um like created a website and I built a, a prototype one that could like go down, release the buoy up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I had like, I made like a little website and like a YouTube video um, where you can see the like underwater buoy things i like hooked a gopro up to it kind of haphazardly um so yeah that was that. and then would you just ask me about the uh the tedx mm-hmm, the tedx uh yeah so that was um it was less focusing on lobstering more just like on my relationship with the ocean and then also like um or the theme of the conference was kinship mm-hmm. so i kind of talked about how um all the time i spend on the water kind of strengthen my relationship with my dad because he would come out a lot of the times with me during the summer so it's kind of just like a good bonding experience like serene early in the morning 5 a.m the water's flat just like us two out there checking traps it's a good time and did you you just presented to your school was it like a they selected students to tell their stories yeah um you just like i think it started in october you just put in like a like your pitch for an idea and then they uh, choose you or not I think almost everyone gets chosen um, and then they partnered you up with an alumni from the prep who was like notable in some way to help you um, like design your speech and give you tips on how to perform it mm-hmm. I was with a guy named Art Caviello who was like a, uh, a CEO of a cybersecurity company for a while so he was a pretty mar- remarkable guy and he uh, definitely gave me a lot of good uh, mm-hmm. advice and just like speaking in general and uh, working on my TED talk. So, 
And with this TED Talk, like what you said, you mentioned it as an extracurricular. So when you were when you were writing on your college app, did you write like it took like months to prepare this speech? Like what was like the process for you that you actually wrote down on your college application? Um, yeah, I think I don't know if I necessarily went to how long it took me. It was kind of weird because it was um I think the first time we I ended up doing the TED Talk twice because the first time we did it, some guy in like the tech crew messed up the speakers that like our voices sounded really bad. So then they let us come back in again and like redo the whole thing, which is kind of a drag, but it ended up working out. Um, So yeah, I think I I just listed like the amount of hours you've dedicated to it. Is that what? Yeah, I think that's what's on the application. All right. All right. So, I mean, I feel like I rushed through the entrepreneurship program. That, can we just like uh, do a little bit more elaboration? So you said you like had this idea, you were going to pitch this idea and you made a website and like you showed how it worked. Did, did your idea actually work out? Um, yeah. So um, I was working with two other guys on this as well. Um, I was like the initial person who came up with the idea, but then they're both in the program. They like partnered up with me as a group of three. Um, and yeah, so I'm, made the prototype, made a website. Uh, we also reached out to like some actual lobstermen or and a lobster woman and uh, like asked them if they thought the idea was feasible. Um, so we got some good feedback from them. Obviously, like one of the hardest things with uh, the lineless traps is that when like big commercial people, which makes up like a majority of the traps in the water, they don't just have like single traps connected to buoys. They have what's called a troll of traps underwater where it's like 10 traps or even sometimes 20 all hooked up to like two buoys on either end. And then like the traps link together on the bottom. So it's hard when you like, when you don't have buoys up here, then one commercial person can like lay their trap over another mm-hmm. person. So does that make sense? Like on the bottom, like if these are two lines, if they get crossed over mm-hmm. and then when, cause you like can't see where the buoys are to like judge where those traps are underwater. So that's one of the hardest things to uh, kind of like address. And that's, I think, something that the whole uh, like lineless lobstering community is trying to cope with right now. Like if you're trying to do like GPS, but the whole point is like you're trying to still make lobstering profitable and you don't want to like skyrocket lobster price or anything. So it needs to be like pretty cheap technology that's going to like continue to work and um, not like require a bunch of maintenance or anything. Oh, are those like yellow things you see in the ocean? Like those like little like looks like tear droplets. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah. Those are buoys. Oh, for yeah. is it just for lobstering or is it like in general? Um so I yeah, see those I mean, all the time. I'm like, what are they floating in the middle of the ocean for? Yeah, mm-hmm. most of them are lo- are uh, lobstering. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. You uh, learn something new every day. All right, yeah. so we've gone through quite a bit of extracurriculars. Are there any other major extracurriculars you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I think when you mentioned Tyler talking about finance, mm-hmm. I've also um, done a lot with that. I've the past like six or seven years, I've had my own accounts. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm pretty um, active. I did a uh, a program at UPenn for like three weeks mm-hmm. um, in like. Uh, finance and economics uh, last summer and also I'm just like always like reading books like The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham and like it's just kind of a cool thing to learn about especially when you're young because 
if you start things properly now, then you can kind of like set yourself up for later, not having to worry about money. Mm-hmm. All right. And you said you had this, this is even longer than Tyler, I think, because I think he said his dad was in investing, but he didn't start his own account until like three years ago, like seriously, like three years ago, maybe four years ago. So were you doing like the same thing as him, like investing money and stuff? Like what exactly were you doing? Yeah, I've done it um, a bit longer than him. His dad is a big guy in finance. I've talked to him before. He's a remarkable person, came from like South Africa and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, um, so with me, I just opened, you're not like legally allowed to have your personal account until you're 18. What I did was I opened like, it's called a custodial account. So it's joint where your parent is like a signatory on it and they technically own the account, but then Yep. It says that like automatically transfers into your name once you're 21 mm-hmm. or whatever certain age is. So I did that, uh, yeah, like probably like 2017 or something, maybe before then. Mm-hmm. And are you like investing into like stocks or something? Like what exactly are you doing with the money there? Yeah, I have three different accounts, um, all with kind of like different approaches to kind of uh, like see how each one um, performs under different market conditions. Mm-hmm. So I have one where I focus more on like growth. So that's um, like small to mid cap companies, growing earnings and uh, revenue that seem to have like promising prospects in the uh, long-term future. But, and those did really well in like 2020 ish, but they also trade at extreme premiums where like a lot of these companies are way overvalued based on like the amount of money they're actually bringing in. So mm-hmm. like, you look at the price to earnings ratio of some of these companies um, during like the whole GameStop phase and stuff. And it's just ridiculous. Like these people are really investing in trash. Um, But yeah, then I also uh, opened up an account that focused more on like the Warren Buffett um, philosophy of stocks, which is value investing where you're trying to like pick up high quality companies that are a bit more mature than growth stocks. And they might not be like, growing earnings at crazy paces, but they're like really cheap based on the amount of money that they make. Um, and they often like uh, distribute cash and dividends and stuff like that. So that's what I did more recently. And then I also have a Roth IRA, which is like a tax exempt retirement mm-hmm. account. So. That's good. And you would, I mean, obviously you do it, but like getting into finance when you're younger is really beneficial or at least having your own account like you because i do as well like under your parents name but like at least it's there for you yeah Yeah. all right so let's get into like the actual college application you know all this so when you you entered high school and you said there wasn't tremendous pressure from your parents to like achieve like a very prestigious elite school but coming into high school what year or around what time did you actually start thinking seriously like I mean, this can be anything. Oh, I should start making my college list. Oh, I should start thinking about like, or learning about the college process. What exactly do I have to do and stuff? So when did you start thinking about the actual college process, which is like picking colleges, touring colleges, and actually writing your essays? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like a fanatic about college. I was kind of just like, still like enjoying high school. I wasn't kind of like thinking too, too far into the future. Um, I knew I was like capable of getting into a pretty good school or I knew I like wanted to go to like a school where I'd be surrounded by um, like smart people uh, mm-hmm. in some respect. And I guess, yeah, I probably started making a list around like this time last year. I was taking like SATs and stuff. 
Um, I know I, I wasn't ever in like the boat where there's some people who apply to like over 20 schools or something crazy. Your friends that I've interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have one friend named Anch who went kind of crazy. <laughs> or yeah, he applied to like 24, I think, or something. Um, it sounds like a nightmare. I can't imagine filling out that many applications. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and then I ended up, I applied ED to Duke and um, early action to University of Virginia, where my dad went. Uh, both schools I had toured. So those are the only two I applied to and I ended up getting into Duke. I, I was like, I had other applications prepared regular decision. If I didn't get into Duke, um, then I would have sent out probably another like 10 or so in that, like between that December 15th and December 31st mm-hmm. deadline. Um, so I like had a, a list, a, uh, like a doomsday list. So I don't get into Duke. This is my like strategy, this, this, this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, that was my, overall thing try to get the ed card in and mm-hmm. if that doesn't all work out go from there all right so before we get into your actual application which is mainly i'm just talking about your personal statement why did you choose duke what were you looking for in a college and what like boxes did duke check off and you said university of virginia because your dad is an alum from there but like actually Duke, like what about it was so appealing to you yeah um so i guess one thing was location i kind of wanted to get a bit away from home but not like California far mm-hmm. so I thought Duke was kind of it offered a way to see a bit of a different part of the world going to the south um while also offering me like the closeness where worst thing comes to worst I can drive home in like a full day like an eight-hour drive or something so yeah that was location with that comes temperature as well um at Duke you can play like outdoor tennis year-round on the club team which is pretty cool um and then I guess another aspect is kind of like the social scene and um, the sports. So Duke, obviously, they have a really good basketball team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one thing that kind of like fascinated me. I love the uh, idea of like all the people gathering together to watch the big games. They have uh, tenting during the games against UNC, their rivals, mm-hmm. where everyone like camps out in front of the uh, uh, Coach K Stadium. So. That was another cool thing. Um, Were there any else, like programs or majors that appealed to you? Because I mean, Duke is a top school, so it's like a top in a lot of things. But were there any anything specific like academically? Yeah. So in academics, um, they're very strong in economics and finance, which was um, one thing I I think I want to study in college is economics. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about is uh, physics, like pairing physics and economics together. And physics, they don't have like like top two in the like nation or whatever. I mean, it's a good school. They're, it's like a top thirty program or something. Like any of these schools are gonna have pretty like exactly. similar. Like you're gonna you're gonna learn pretty similar stuff at any of these like big name mm-hmm. schools. Um, and also another thing I found cool was the um, they have like a really cool marine biology um, like campus um, over. It's like near the Outer Banks. Uh, it's not the Outer Banks. I'm forgetting the name of the town, but they have like a uh, uh, like a side campus right on the water there where you can go for a semester if you're studying uh, marine life, which I thought was cool. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go that direction yet, but I'm definitely like keeping it open as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And have you visited Duke? Like, did you go on a tour to like finalize your decision? Yeah, I visited Duke um, with my dad in last 
August, like a bit before school started. Um, and I have a, uh, a cousin who works at the Duke hospital there. Uh, she went to Duke. So that was like one of the ways I was introduced into Duke because I have two cousins who went there. Um, and yeah, so she like showed us around a bit and we could also crash at our place. So it's kind of convenient there. Did you go to the dining hall there? Because I've been to Duke and their food is like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I actually wrote like part of my wide Duke essay about that was like how I opened it up about the food. Like they have like crepe stations and like Italian food, just all the like sushi. I think it was ridiculous. And it's yeah. so well done. Like I've been to colleges yeah. and like the food and everyone talks trash, trash college food. This was like restaurant level. Like this I know, is yeah. so good. Oh my God. I just had to go. I, I needed to relate to someone like food is incredible <laughs> at Duke. Okay. Yeah. Let's go into your personal statement now which is like the actual application and you only did apply to actually in the end you only did really apply to duke and um university of virginia so with your personal statement what exactly did you write about like and i'm assuming you had 650 words so in those 650 words what topic did you choose what like question and then what did you actually write about yeah so i wrote about um i like focused in on a little like story from lobstering where it was one time during the summer where my live well broke. Um, and it was about kind of like, it was like both a specific story about fixing the live well and like that journey, but then also like what that represents. And um, so I, I, I was like talking about like overcoming obstacles, uh, like persevering. Um, Can you like explain what a up. live well is? Oh is yeah. So it's basically like, it's a, a, uh, like a holding tank where I put the lobsters once I catch them before I put them. It's like when you're driving around their boat and you get a lobster, you put into the keeper tank or like the live well mm-hmm. where it has a, uh, a live well pump running that brings like new seawater that's oxygenated into the container. Um, so that keeps them alive while you're, uh, before you're heading in from the end of the day. So yeah, basically without that, it's like pretty hard to do lobstering because then they can't like, or like, what are you meant to do with your lobsters? You can't just like mm-hmm. leave them in a bucket, they'll suffocate. So um, yeah, that was kind of like what I focused on there. Um, at one point in the summer when it broke and then like I went through a bunch of stuff trying to fix it. And then eventually I did. Um, yeah. All right, all right. So, and then you did talk like your YS, you focused a little bit about food for Duke. For the other supplementals with the Duke, can you give us like, of to the best of your memory what were the problems for duke and then how did you approach them and what did you write about for the supplemental essays um yeah so i think there was three supplements i answered two of them was it i think only one was required so the one that was required was like the generic why duke um and yeah that was somewhere i like opened about um the food and then i think i like went on to a bit more like specific things I like about it. And some like, um, I don't know if I chose like class I'd be interested in or something. I think I mentioned like a professor or something. Um, yeah. And then the other um, supplement I answered was, it was about um, like something unique about your, I think it was like gendered if you would like something or like what's something unique um, perspective you offer. Like if it was like race or gender or something like that, 
Um, I hate those kinds of questions. Yeah. I kind of, I approach it kind of, I came kind of dead on. I said, like, I don't offer much like, um, like racial diversity or uh, I said, like, um, straight out, just like, I come from like a pretty good background. I was very fortunate to have like a, um, a warm home to like be raised and everything. Like I've had it pretty easy, but then I said one unique, um, like kind of, uh, like opinion or experience that I do present to the Duke community is how um, I was always raised to hate Duke in basketball because my dad went to UVA. So they're kind of like rivals in basketball. I talked about how like during March mass every year, my dad would always be like sparring with my cousins who went to Duke because like they're against each other and all that. So I went from kind of that shift from being an enemy to Duke to uh, wanting to go to Duke. So that's an interesting perspective right there. (laughs) All right. So let's go on to like the last thing before I wrap up here. So what last thing is advice, which is just any advice you want to give at all. So you're not in college yet. So you can't give advice on like actually entering college, but for those who are in high school right now, you can give like any advice you want. This can be general life advice, something that's specific to just our age as like, you know, teenagers or something specific to the college process. So like, what is the one piece of advice you would give right now to someone who's entering high school, you know, starting college apps, whatever it may be? Um, yeah. So I guess one thing would be like, just focusing on like, uh, staying healthy, like getting sleep and stuff like that, getting exercise. Um, cause like when you treat your body well, then your kind of like mind follows that. Um, also just like focusing on relationships, friends in high school, uh, like only now, like as a senior, I'm realizing, oh my God, in like a few months, I'm going off and all these people I've spent the past, um, since I was in middle school, sometimes seven years with, mm-hmm. we're all going to be kind of like dispersing across the country. Um, so kind of focus on those relationships to cherish them while they're lasting. Um, yeah, I guess that'd be two main ones. <laughs> That's great. I've never heard someone actually say that about relationships at all on this podcast i'm like 80 episodes in so thank you very much for that all right thank you very much and have a good evening to you thank you nice meeting you yep you too bye that's it for my episode with charles i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did make sure to subscribe so you know when future episodes are released and check out my blog collegerealitycheck.com for other college related content hope to see you in the next one